Our gospel for today is from John, the second chapter. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called in the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was a chaplain at a hospital in Chicago for a summer, one of our regular duties was to go to our assigned floors and check in on people to see if they needed anything. There was one young man on my floor in his mid-30s who suffered from multiple sclerosis and had lost much of the use of his legs, arms, and hands. Before I went in to talk to him, I saw in his file that he was an atheist and therefore did not believe in God. After my first conversation with him, I noticed that he was depressed and was missing the good old days, when he could use his limbs, when he could be with other people and go out partying. And so not being able to use my Christian theology to cheer him up, I went back to my chaplaincy peer group to find out what they said to people who were not of their faith tradition to try to bring a sense of comfort and hope. They suggested asking the question, what is a source of strength for you? So I went back the next day to chat with him again, and when the opportunity arose, I asked him, what is a source of strength for you? And without hesitation, he answered, drugs, sex, and rock and roll. Now, part of him may have said this to try and shock me as a young female pastor to be, but from the previous conversation we had, I knew that at least part of him was serious about this answer. That's what his life was before MS hit him so hard, and that's what he missed and was grieving over. I was thinking about this this week, because with COVID cases raging again, hospitals filled with people and healthcare workers overwhelmed and overworked, schools and churches having to consider again whether or not to go back online, travel being limited and vacations having to be canceled, stores with empty shelves and staffing shortages. I'm feeling exhausted, angry, frustrated, and maybe, yeah, a little hopeless at times. I got the vaccine and the booster, 
My family is vaccinated. We've worn our masks and social distanced. We've limited our time in stores. We haven't gone out to eat in restaurants. We've done everything we are supposed to do, and yet life still isn't back to normal. In fact, it feels like we've gone backwards into the previous stage again, which I know isn't true, but it feels that way. So I too am missing the good old days. I'm missing the days when my husband and I could go out for dinner and a movie without having to worry about getting sick or bringing home something to the kids. When my kids could go to school without masks and I could go to work without a mask. When we could go to church and hug everyone during the sharing of peace and have potlucks. I'm grieving that, as I'm sure many of you are as well. But our scripture lessons for today call us to remember where our source of strength, hope, and life comes from. It comes from God. In our first reading for today, the author of Isaiah is speaking to God's people in the midst of economic hardship and political struggle. The people have returned from exile, but their struggles are certainly not over. They now face injustices, racism, different hardships, just like we do today. They too want everything to go back the way it was before the exile. But the world has changed. Things are different now. And it is in the midst of this that God reminds them of their relationship with God. Isaiah compares the relationship between God and the people as a restoration of marriage vows. God wants to refresh and renew and restore the relationship God once had with the people. And yes, it will look different than it used to. So God is giving God's people a new name. My delight is in her. God delights in the people and renews the covenant God made with them, promising justice, salvation, love, and hope, just as God has always done. And with God as their source of strength, the covenant and God's love for them, for us, can never be broken, only strengthened and renewed. And we know from experience how vast and endless the love and faithfulness of God is. In fact, we are reminded of it in our psalm for today. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens and your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like strong mountains, your justice like the great deep. You save humankind and animals, O Lord. How priceless is your love, O God. All people take refuge under the shadow of your wings. God's love and the hope that it brings is abundant and overwhelming. And that's the message we hear in our gospel story for today as well. Jesus and his family and the disciples are all invited to a wedding celebration in Cana. Now today, when we think about weddings and wedding celebrations, we think about a ceremony and a celebration that all take place in one day. But in Jesus' day, wedding celebrations lasted up to seven days, an entire week. In addition, inviting as many people as possible would bring honor to the family. 
But because of this culture's emphasis on hospitality, running out of wine or food would bring great shame to the family. So when Jesus' mother, who was probably helping out in the kitchen, as most women did back then, found out that the family was running low on wine, she went to her son and asked him for help. Now, she doesn't necessarily expect a miracle here. She simply asks Jesus for help. And Jesus' response is, woman, which in that day is actually like saying miss or ma'am, but it would still be a little odd to say to your own mother. Anyway, he says, woman, what concern is it to you and me? My hour has not yet come. Now, we don't know why Jesus initially acts so dismissive instead of simply honoring his mother's request. One study Bible suggests that Jesus was hesitant because he knew the short amount of time he would have after his ministry began, as well as that his ministry would lead to death, which his mother wouldn't know. But regardless of the why, the important part here is that Jesus' mother doesn't give up. She is persistent because she knows who her son is and that Jesus has gifts that can help preserve the honor of the family as well as the newlyweds. And I think it is partly because of her persistence that Jesus honors her request. Persistence and loyalty seem to be spiritual gifts of Mary. Now, sometimes I have been accused of being stubborn instead of persistent, but same thing, right? Maybe. Anyway, she tells the servants at the wedding banquet, do whatever my son tells you. And not only does Jesus honor her request, but he does it in a way that points to the abundant love of God. You'll notice the text mentions that the jars that they had in the house for Jewish ritual cleansing each held 20 or 30 gallons of water. And there were six of them. So we're talking about up to 180 gallons of water here, just to wash hands, feet, and maybe a few special dishes that were ceremonially clean for Jewish rituals. But even for a wedding banquet, this would be exorbitant. And Jesus tells the servants to fill not one or two, but all six jars with water. And then take some to the chief steward to drink, which they do, and thereupon realize that the water they had gathered had become wine. And not just any wine, but the best wine. You can feel the exorbitant nature of this sign that points to the love and abundance of God and the sign that gives hope for something even better to come, something that we don't even know yet. And most importantly, God is the source of this sign. God is the source of this miracle. God delights in giving abundant gifts and blessing God's people. Paul's letter to the Corinthians echoes this sentiment as he writes to the Corinthians, reminding them of how important each of them are and their gifts in revealing the love of God to the world. 
Paul writes, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. So whatever your gifts are, from playing music in church to listening to someone who needs to talk, from helping clean the kitchens and wash the dishes, to handing out bulletins and saying hi to people on a Sunday morning. No matter how trivial your gifts may feel to you, they are extremely important to God and to this faith community. God gave you these gifts for a reason, and God is the source from whom all blessings flow. So on this day and age of COVID, let me say that again, Danielle. So in this day and age of COVID, of political division, of economic struggle and hardship, of racial and social injustice, when you feel like those jars, empty inside. What is a source of strength for you? Where can you go? Who can you talk to? What can you do to remind you of the abundant love, life, and hope that God gives? Well, I've always found it helpful to go back to the basics. You know, those things you learned about in Sunday school and confirmation and youth group and are reminded of at church all the time when you come. Try reading scripture or a devotional. Pray. Hang out with or be a part of groups during the week, either in person or on Zoom as you feel comfortable and safe. Hang out with people that give you life and remind you of the hope and love you have in Christ. Go for a walk and be reminded of God's presence, abundant in creation. Pick up a book from our library to learn about faith from a different perspective. Perhaps you are filled by serving others. Find a project you can help with. All of these things can fill you up when you are feeling empty and might even help to fill others as well. I know for a fact from my own experience that when I do these things, my grief over the past my frustrations in the present, and my feeling of hopelessness for the future don't feel quite so heavy. And they don't feel so empty because it reminds me that Jesus is the source of my strength, hope, and life. And that someday, whatever the new normal may look like, God will bring abundant good wine blessings to us all once again. Amen.